Let's look in our Bibles together, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I want to very quickly tonight finish up a message I started three weeks ago. Uh, not because we've been going on it for three weeks, but because we've had a little bit of a break with Easter and uh, with other things going on. And I think it goes right along right well with Sister Mary and her testimony of what God's doing in her ministry and her life. And we think about the church in 1 Thessalonians, and really the church of Thessalonica was a triumphant church. And they had such an incredible, uh, they were truly a, a church of inspiring faith. And they, they just were an inspiration to all of us. And as I read through 1 Thessalonians, I'm just encouraged each time I read it. I'm encouraged each time by what God has done in, their, in, their, in and through them and their testimony. And I know that God wants us also to be triumphant. God wants us also to be able to inspire others in our faith. And so let's look at these uh, three verses together. Stand with me. Now stretch your legs a little bit and kind of get us uh, uh, in tune together. In verse number 8 it says, 1 Thessalonians 1.8, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place where your faith to God were to spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this incredible church. Thank you for the great uh, just testimony of Sister Herman tonight. Thank you for the inspiration tonight to surrender our lives to just whatever your desire is. And Father, for some in here it may be missions. For some in here it just may be to, to give to missions. For some of us in here it may be just to continue to be faithful. But God, no matter where it is that you've called us, Lord, may we choose to follow you by faith. For we walk by faith and not by sight. And Lord, as this early church, this church in Thessalonica, Lord, just at just a year old, had such a tremendous testimony. May we always also have a tremendous testimony that, Lord, we might inspire others to walk by faith and not by sight. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. By way of just, re, re, uh, just going back over some of the things that we've covered already, I just want to look at verses, verse 8. It says, For from you sounded out. This is a motivating testimony. Their testimony went out, in, out into all the world. And so throughout the region, this fledgling church of just one year old had a great testimony of sharing God and sharing the gospel of Christ. And truly, they sounded forth the word of God. Uh, they they uh, broadcasted it. They made sure they trumpeted out and reverberated all that they had, had seen and heard. And they wanted people in, in all of the region. Now, obviously, the church in Thessalonica was located in the region of Macedonia. And, and the Bible says that they were able to ver reverberate or broadcast or trumpet out the truths of the gospel, not only in the, the city of Thessalonica, but in all of the region of Macedonia and Achaia. And so we see here that they had a great faith in a great God. And, and I'm reminded of Elmer Towns, who wrote one time in his, uh, one of his memoirs, he said, he says, I don't have a great faith, he says, but I have a faith in a great God. And today you may be someone that says, you know what, I don't have great faith, but let me tell you, we serve a great God, and God can take a little bit of faith, and He can do amazing things when we choose to sound forth the Word of God. And we can choose to sound out the truth of God's Word. And, and no matter where it may be, if it's in a different home for seven nights, uh, teaching teachers, or maybe, maybe God's calling you to plant churches, or whatever it may be, or maybe in your own job tomorrow morning when you go back to work, that you have a ministry and a purpose there. Sound forth the word that God's given you. We also learned that through their life and their testimony, 
that they uh, took and they had a great personal testimony. In verse number 9, for they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you. And the Bible says that they showed from their own testimony, their own life, what God had done, that they turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. So they had this great testimony of repentance in their life. They had turned from this old life and turned to God. They had this great uh, desire for the world to see the truth of God in their life. And so we see this church in, in Thessalonica had a great motivating faith. They had a great desire to continue to church, serve the gospel or, or spread the gospel. And they did it by serving. And we see this in verse number 9, uh, nine as well. It says, and uh, turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. This has the idea of a, literally a slave or a person who is indebted to a master. And, and because of what Christ has done in my life, I owe Him greatly. Amen. Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. And so if God was to call me tomorrow to, to go to Mexico, or if God was to call me tomorrow to uh, Tanzania, or if God was to call me tomorrow to go to Kenya, amen, no matter where it may be that God may be calling you, uh, let me just remind you, it is never a sacrifice when we get to serve God like that. It's a privilege to be able to say, God, no matter where you call me, no matter where you're using me, it is a joy to serve you because Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. And whatever suffering that we endure in this time and in this lifetime right now is just for a moment. It's such a short window. And so they were so encouraged because of the truth of the Word of God. Isaiah 42 and verse 8 says, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. They wanted the whole world to know who, they should, uh, who Jesus Christ was. Brother Terry and I were talking not long ago about 1 Thessalonians, and he reminded me, he says, you know, I've, I've taught the 1 Thessalonians before, and he says, he, says, I, uh, he says, the church should be a delivery room where people are born again. This is what the church in Thessalonica was. They were a, a place where they wanted people to be saved. Man, what an exciting thing. Aren't, aren't y'all excited what God is doing? Uh, it's not what a man is doing or what, we, what we're doing because we can water and we can, we can plant. But listen, it's God that gives the increase and we're grateful for what God is doing in our midst. And I just hope and pray that you are ex excited about what God is doing here. So we look now in verse number 10 and we see that their, their faith, how it was motivating for us. But also I want you to see this moving anticipation. Truly, they were anticipating the coming of Christ. And, and I believe firmly the reason that they witnessed, the reason that they labored, the reason they sounded forth or trumpeted out the truth of the Word of God was because they had great expectation in Christ's return. When we're focused on the return of Christ, we have the urgency in our spirit to spread the gospel. Have you noticed that? Whenever we, we're looking for Christ's return, I, man, you just can't help but be quiet because you know that, that man, what are they going to do? Ignore you? It's no big deal. Because I, God has called me to just bring as many with me uh, as I can. And so let's look at verse number 10 together. And it says, And to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. And so we see here that they had a great expectant, uh, expectant hope. This is not just um, some sort of a, uh, inactively uh, just twiddling their thumbs type of mentality, but instead that they were actively uh, serving God and actively pursuing Him. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 10, it says, For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto what church? Good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. 
God's purpose for my salvation was that I could continue to walk in the good works that He's called me to. That I could continue to trumpet or continue to herald or continue to sound forth the truth of the Word of God that He is coming soon. The Greek word translated to wait is, used here only, uh, is only used here in the New Testament. And it has this sense of anticipation or expectation. Consider Philippians 3 and verse 20. It says, For our conversation or our lifestyle or our, is in heaven. From whence we also, also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. It rings with this idea of the prophetic hope that things on earth will not always continue in the way that they currently are. Second Thessalonians, he wrote later to the church in Thessalonica in chapter 2 and verse 16, Now our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God, even our Father which hath loved us, and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through faith. More than waiting, more than just watching, it's anticipating. Did you, did you ever remember as a kid, mom and dad giving you chores? Mom and my dad would give me chores, and uh, we had some critters, and he'd say he'd want me to feed them every day before he got home for work. I got out of school about 3.30 or so, got home, and he got home 5 to 5.30, two hours of time to get my chores done. I knew when he was coming home. You know when I did my chores? Ten minutes before he pulled in the driveway. Sometimes I saw him pulling down the road, and I'm booking it out there. I'm doing my chores, I'm doing my chores. Listen, I think God hasn't told us when He's coming back because we'd be the same way. I know I would, because I'm a last-minute guy sometimes. And I know that I would be, okay, well, I've got this much time. That means I can do this on my bucket list and this on my bucket list and this on my bucket list. But instead, God says, look, you don't know when I'm coming home. You know what that means? Live in anticipation of it. At any moment, at any uh, time of the day, at any, any moment right now, we, before we finish this message tonight, He could call us to be with Him. Wouldn't that be a glorious thing tonight? Well, there'd be nothing, you know, I've heard preachers say, man, I want to die in the pulpit. I don't, that'd scare the living daylights out of everybody here. <laughs> but if the rapture happened, I would gloriously welcome that in the pulpit, amen? Because then we'd all go together. And if you don't know the Lord is your Savior, maybe it'd scare you into heaven, amen? In John 14, 14, 13, God reminds us that He, 14, 3, God reminds us that He gives us hope. Hope for all of us. There is great hope in the fact that Jesus is coming again. And this is what He says, And I go and prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you unto Myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Mm. Many, you know today, people scoff at the return of Christ. They may say, well, it's in the Bible, but I don't necessarily believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe that he's going to come back uh, and, and rapture the church out. I don't believe that, that there's going to be this in last times, and, and I don't believe in all of this stuff. Or, or maybe it's not, and some people may say, well, it's not going to be in my lifetime. I mean, think about how, much, how long I've been here, and he's never come yet. And all the preachers have said, at any moment, at any moment, at any moment. Do you ever feel like that? Well, this is what uh, 2 Peter 3, 4 says. And saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Peter dealt with the same thing here. He was dealing with people, even in his time, that were scoffing at the return of Christ. And listen, I live in expectation that Jesus is coming soon. The church in Thessalonica lived in expectation that Jesus was coming soon. And this expectation spurred them to serve God more fervently than ever before. Spurred them to go in a year to be able to take the gospel into all the region of Macedonia. Man, where are you at in your life? Are you spreading the gospel in your 
community? Are we spreading the gospel on our streets? Are we telling our neighbors about the gospel? Are we telling those around us about the gospel? Are you, man, I've been encouraged by our church uh, in the last few months. People will tell me, man, uh, pastor, I I passed out my first track. Uh, Sister Jennifer was telling me that uh, uh, she's never had the habit of passing out tracks before until recently. And she says, you don't have any idea how encouraging that is to be able to do that on a regular basis. It's been so encouraging to hear God at work in, in His people. First Thessalonians remind us in chapter 4 and, and, and just of the imminent return of Jesus Christ. And he says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which, which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught, be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. Are you living in anticipation? Are we living tonight as a church in anticipation of Christ's return? I believe we are. Many of us are here tonight. Man, I was encouraged when we got to go out and pass out nearly 2,000 tracks last, last uh, Saturday. What a blessing that was. What an encouraging thing to see people uh, saved as a result of that work and bringing others to church. I tell you, God is at work, and I'm grateful that He is doing a mighty thing in our midst. George Sweeting wrote a book, The No Guilt Guide for Witnessing. He told of a story of a man named John Courier. In 1949, he was found guilty of murder, and he was sentenced to life in prison. Later, he was transferred and paroled to work on a farm near near Nashville, Tennessee. And in 1968, Courier's sentence was terminated, and a letter bearing the good news was sent to him. But John never saw the letter. Nor was he told anything about it. Life on the farm was hard and without promise for the future. Yet John kept doing what he was told even after the farmer for whom he worked had died. Ten years went by. Then a state parole officer learned about Courier's plight and found him, and he told him his sentence had been terminated and he was a free man. Sweeting concluded that story by saying, Would it matter to you if someone sent you an important message? The most important in your life, and year after year, the urgent matter, a message was never delivered. Today, we have an urgent message. Far greater than a parole, far greater than a pardon, far greater than any of those things, because we have the message of the hope of the gospel. Are we going to deliver it? Are we going to take it into all of the world?